Oh, Black Christmas film, Black Christmas film, why was this even made? So much black inky goo, can't forget the man hate too. Oh, Black Christmas film, Black Christmas film, you're just a shitty feminine manifesto. We watched the 2019 Black Christmas remake, we watched it so you don't have to, so you know what time it is. What's up, Moon Goons? Welcome to the Horrible Horror Podcast, the podcast where we watch the worst of the worst in horror movies. Movies so bad they're scary. I'm your host, Mr. Marshall Hampton. With me today, unfortunately, Aaron is not here. He could not make it today. Oh, but you just heard him in his place. I got one half of the spooks of the Dukes of Spook. I shouldn't even know that. I turned a phrase. (laughs) But you know him, you love him, Mr. Cincinnati Jeff himself. This is Salsa Von Mommy here. I'm from the Midwest. I'm a white male. And wait till you hear my thoughts on the feminist <laughs> conspiracy. Yeah, hold on to your hats, guys and girls. Uh, so if you're from the opening, we it is now Chris, December. It's Christmas time. So we are kicking off our, uh, you know, our, our annual December Christmas horror movie spectacular. Uh, first up this year is the 2019 Black Christmas remake. Um why? Because, well, it's... We'll get into that in a bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a movie! It is a movie. It's out there. You can watch it if you choose to. Um, that movie itself was released on December 13th of 2019. Two years ago today. That's Holy shit, that's right. Today is the 13th. Two years ago today. So, <laughs> uh, topical, I guess. Uh, <laughs> written by Sophia Takao. To call, I don't know how I pronounce that name. I wish it was to cow, like Method Man. That'd be fun, but T A K A L. Also written by April Wolf and Roy Moore gets uh, Ryan Craig because he wrote the original back in 1974, even though this has absolutely nothing to fucking do with that one or even the character. So, why? I don't know why he's attached to this, but whatever. I guess he turned to coin the movie Black Christmas. So, I guess because he maybe wrote the title. I don't know. Uh, it was also directed by Sophia Takao. Uh, Sophia Takao has more credits as an actor, 31, including the horror movie VHS. Then she does as a director, which is six, uh, which are all TV shows and movies I've never heard of. So there's a nice red flag right there. Uh, Amber Wolf only has two credits as a writer, this and a short called Widower. So again, not, not, not hold my breath there on the writing front for this movie. Uh, you can find this movie pretty much everywhere right now. It's on HBO Max, Hulu, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, Apple TV, and Vudu. Uh, the only thing I didn't I was on Tubi, which I'd be surprised if it's not there. But that's uh, it, you, you know, and the else. the other two are so the 2006 and the 1974 Black Christmas are both on Tubi right now. Okay, uh, well, 
Though they got the better ones on two. Right? <laughs> uh, let's talk about the cast real quick, even though there's not a whole lot to talk about. We'll, we'll be brief. Our main girl, Riley, is played by Imogen Poots. Poots, P-O-O-T-S. Um, 47 credits. She was in the 2011 Fright Night. Uh, she was young Valerie in V for Vendetta and was Tammy in 28 Weeks Later. So there's some horror and uh, um, connections there. Uh, Chris, played by Elise Shannon. Seven credits, including 16 episodes of the TV show Leverage Redemption. 11 episodes of the Charmed reboot on uh, the reboot TV show. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> Uh, Jesse's played by Brittany O'Grady. She's got 11 credits, currently stars on HBO's The White Lotus, or at least is on the show. I don't think she stars it, but she's on it. And was in 48 episodes of a Fox TV show called Star, which I've never heard of. Uh, last two people I mentioned are Marty, played by Lily Donahue. Donahue. Don, <clears throat> excuse me. Phil Donahue. Yeah, Donahue. Thank you. Lily Donahue. Eight credits appeared on three episodes of The Goldbergs as the hot girl and Barry short-term crush jamie weissman that's about it you need to know from her and lastly the big gift for the movie is professor gelson played by mr kelly i always put it elves elves ools thank you i can never remember how carry ewells uh you know you you know him you love him. he's got 134 credits between men and robin hood men in tight stranger things he voiced aquaman in justice league the flashpoint paradox was in the 2011 Wonder Woman TV show, which I didn't even know was a thing until I researched this, but it had a good cast, including him, Elizabeth Hurley, Pedro Pascal, which is funny because he was in the Wonder Woman 1984 movie, and... Uh, uh, yeah, he's Maxwell Lord, right? What? In the in the 84 movie? Yeah, he's yeah the Lord guy. Yeah, Max, yeah. Maxwell Lord. Maxwell. I didn't know about this. This sounds awesome. I want to see it, yeah. And then uh, Adrian Pilecki uh, is a Wonder Woman in that. Um, I'd watch she that. She was in um, uh, the Shield TV show, right. Agents of Shield, where she played Mockingbird, and then she was in uh, she was in something else recently. I she, anyway, she she's in the, and then she you know he's Carrie was also in Kiss the Girls. He was in Bram Stoker's Dracula, and of course everyone knows he's in the first Saw movie and the classic uh, The Princess Bride. Just some of his better, more well known works. Um, with that said, let's unwrap this. This package. package. <laughs> this Christmas present that's yeah. clearly been dropped by Amazon <laughs> in time or two. So we open with a fictitious quote from the fictitious Calvin Hawthorne about men, basically. And then we just go to uh, the chapter room of the Delta Kappa Omicron fraternity, the DKOs, the Deeks, uh, which I was a little offended by that. Um, that that quote. It, like just oh, sets ahead. the tone yeah. for them. Like, how did you feel about that? Like I, the first time I watched it, I watched it with a fresh mindset. I didn't know anything about it. And then rewatching it for this, like, I'm like, yep, this is exactly what I'm getting into <laughs> right here. It's fucking, this message explains the entire thing for me. Yeah. I didn't actually write down the whole message, but it's basically like men are evil. Men, and yeah. They men, have power. Men have all the power. Men will rise above and men will be men. Basically. I don't know. Um, so anyway, uh, I would say the Deeks, I, because this is such, as we're going to get, we'll get chased right now. The overall theme of this film is not subtle. It's basically fem, men are evil. Women are great. Um, men can die. They're all, they're all terrible people. Hope you like getting hit over the head with metaphors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, message. 
And so basically, I don't know, Deke sounds awful lot like Teak, which is why fraternity. So, I, you know, I was like, oh, hey, come on, you could have picked something else. Right. And no elephant walks in this movie. What the, the fuck? No, there were no elephant walks. They did not get that one accurate. <laughs> 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 Joking. There was. Um, anyway, so we go to the chapter house of the DKO house and where we get a series of blurry and choppy shots of paddles, robes and other shit. Uh, it ends on a shot of a stone-carved bust on a pedestal surrounded by candles. And we see all this while the sounds of chanting are heard, which then transitions into women screaming. And then images crossfade into the flames of a fire as the credits roll. That's our opening. Um, we zoom out on the fire, and now we're in the living room of a sorority house where the girls are having their secret Santa Christmas party. During which one of these girls, Una. Una, O-O-N-A, I don't know what that fucking name is, but sure, calls another one of her sisters, Lindsay, who is uh, like out heading to her car on some lots in campus because she's heading home early for Christmas break. That's the gist. And we follow Lindsay as she walks through campus. And she starts getting these suspicious and creepy texts from a Calvin Hawthorne, who is the long-dead founder of the college Hawthorne University. As she walks, she notices a random dude found her on his phone. This goes on for a bit. She gets more and more scared as the text turns violent and threatening. And then she, so the whole, like, oh, it's this guy. She thinks it's the guy behind her. They build up that tension. They try to. Uh, Lindsay like, grips her keys between her fingers like they teach every girl in every self-defense class ever. Um, ready to turn around and attack this random guy. But when she spins around, the guy just, like, isn't even paying attention. He breaks off. He goes across the street and minds his own business. But when she turns back around, she finds herself face to face with someone wearing a dark hooded robe. And at this point, she takes off running for a house that's all lit up, looking for everything, banging on the door, help me, help me, help me, help me. Um, so while she screams, she turns around and glances behind him. The road figure's magically gone, just disappeared. No footprints in the snow either, just gone. Uh, the door opens up, and standing there is the robed figure. Right Surprise! There the Surprise! Uh, Lindsay backs away while saying, like, Please don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for whatever it is I did. I, I, I don't know. But please, blah, blah, blah. And uh, the rope figure just reaches up, breaks off a large icicle from the gutter. Lindsay falls to the ground. The man, man pounces on her with his masculine alpha maleness and then just kills her by stabbing her repeatedly with the icicle. Yeah, while they go round and round, too, she, like, rudely fucks up that family snowman. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, those kids worked hard on that snowman. Yeah. And it's a bitch to make snowmen. It is. It really is. Um, I'd say she got what she deserved. <laughs> um, so while she's getting stabbed in the snow, she's flailing her arms around, and of course it makes the snow angel. Uh, and the road figure drags her body off the screen. The drag marks make the snow angel end up looking like a Christmas tree topper. That was actually, I thought that that looked really cool, like as she's being slowly drug away and the camera's like, you know, aerial zoom, yeah. is like pulling away. I thought that looked really neat that, I in say, the snow. That was probably one of the only good things about this movie but yeah, i agree the that, opening that's actually pretty cool yeah there's a good opening i'll give him that good opening uh now we cut to our main girl riley waking up the next morning in her bed at the moo kappa sorority house different sorority um in runs franny freaking out about her loss of diva cup <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know what a diva cup is it's a silicone cup like device that women use during their periods it is inserted into the vagina and collects the menstrual fluids did, did you know what this was, or did you have to Google it? I, I had to Google it. I won't lie. I had to Google that one, too. Yeah. I don't I don't like to peek behind the curtain. I don't yeah. want to know how it works with all your mysterious lady parts. 
right? But I was like, is this something made up? Like diva cup? Is this? Like, I, 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 I just I, assumed it was like a term that kids use nowadays. Yeah, or like what or, stupid shit is or, this? You know, sororities have like all sorts. Of, like maybe it was like an actual like cup that they get as for a party. It's my diva cup because we're women. We're divas. Or, I had no idea. So, yeah, I looked this one up. And that chick, like, she doesn't even take it to the bathroom. She just, like, straight puts it on it in front of it her. Was, well, she didn't get a cup. She's handed a pad. And she just straight up puts her hand down her pants, slaps it on, and runs out the door. But anyway, there's your educational moment. Um, we, <sighs> well, that's educational moment one of two. We have another one coming up uh, that helps kind of explain some more of this movie. Sort of. So, anyway, we cut to Riley sitting in her lit class where Professor Gelson lectures and recites some quote about masculinity and some shit that turns out that was written by a woman, not a man, because that was the big why you think it was written by a man. That was a neat little twist. Yeah. Uh, the woman's name is Camille Pelaglia, uh, pa- Paglia, uh, who this is actually a real person. Unlike Kevin Hawthorne, I looked her up. Uh, so here's your real, here's some background information on her to kind of give you an idea why, where they're going with this and why they even mention her. Um, so she's an American feminist, academic, and social critic. Uh, Plagley is actually the professor at the University of Arts in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, since 1984. So that bitch got tenure. <laughs> uh, she is critical of many aspects of modern culture and is the author of Sexual Personae, Art and Decadence from Nefertiti to Emily Dickerson, and other books. She's also a critic of contemporary American feminism and of post-structuralism. Pelaglia also identifies as transgender, but is also critical of current transgender discourse. She's reported having radical gender dys- dysfo- uh, dysphoria since childhood and said that never once in my life have I felt female. She describes herself as transgender, saying that she was donning flamboyant male costumes from early childhood on, but that she is highly skeptical about the current gen- transgender wave, which she thinks has been produced by far more complicated psychological and sociological factors than current gender discourse allows. This goes on, elaborating on her views that she writes in a democracy, she writes, in a democracy, everyone, no matter how nonconformist or eccentric, should be free from harassment and abuse. At the same time, no one deserves special rights, protections, or privileges on the basis of their eccentricity. So some of her views get her in trouble, and she she's um, her le- these views actually led to a petition this is, comes back to the movie, demanding that the University of Arts remove her from the faculty, but the university actually rejected it. Pelagia considered a publicity stunt and praised the university's uh, eloquent statement affirming academic freedom as a landmark in contemporary education. Uh, now, this shit gets even weirder about here. You want to hear this shit? Yeah, hit me. All right, in 1993, Pelaglia signed a manifesto supporting NAMBLA, for those of you who don't know what NAMBLA is, or have never seen South Park, NAMBLA is like the <laughs> North American Man-Boy Love Association. They are an advocate group for pedophilia. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, Pedophilia Advocacy Organization, 1984, uh, supported lowering the legal age of consent to 14. She noted in 1995 an interview with pro-pedophile activist Bill Andretti, or, and, yeah, I fail to see what is wrong with erotic fondling with any age, she says. In 1997, uh, in the 1997 Solon column, Plaglia expressed the view that male pedophilia correlates with the heights of a civilization, saying, I have repeatedly protested the lynch mob hysteria that dogs the issue of man-boy love. (laughs) In sexual personae, I argue that male pedophilia is intrinsically Interwined with the cardinal moments of Western civilization, 
Palagnia noted in several interviews as well as sexual persona that she supports the legalization of certain forms of child pornography. She later had a change of heart on the matter in an interview with Radio New Zealand Saturday morning conducted in 2018 by Kim Hill. She asked, Palagnia asked, are you a libertarian on the issue of pedophilia? To which she replied, in terms of the present day, I think it's absolutely impossible to think we could reproduce the Athenian code of pedophilia. Dave Eck, like the ancient Greeks and all that shit. Um, pedophilia of man, of boy love that was central to culture at the time. We must protect children. I feel very, very strongly the age of consent for sexual interactions between a boy and an older man is obviously disputed in what point that should be. I used to think that 14 in the way it is in some places in the world was adequate. I no longer think that. I think young people need greater protection than that. This is one of those areas that we must confine to the realm of imagination and the history of the arts. <laughs> this bitch is crazy. Like I can't believe like, she's a teacher at a college. I'm glad I bit my tongue because when you were like, they're trying to get her canceled because her ideas of feminism don't and transgender don't conform with the, the radical movement that that is that does exist right yeah. now. And then I'm I was like, yeah, that bitch is cool. I'm glad I, I <laughs> bit my tongue till the end. Be like, you know what? That turns out this chick's a little crazy. A little crazy. It's just so weird that they, this is the woman they chose to for some reason. I guess put like feature in this movie like as their point was like on feminine like you know feminism and all this shit but that's that's a weird shit sorry that's a bit of a rant but it was just so crazy i went down that rabbit hole and it just was right too it, much that had to be if aaron was here to cut it off but i kind of wanted to see aaron how deep that got, oh aaron i wanted to see how deep that hole went he would 100 be like that's enough running on. but once i got to the nambla <laughs> stuff like no i i got it i saw nambla like holy fuck nambla. he supports that Anyway, back to the movie. So, <laughs> <laughs> this is only page one. That's only page one. Anyway, Gelson then goes on to talk about how there's a petition going forward to have him fired from his job. Very much like what happened to uh, Pelleglia. That's, again, another. that's why a link between these two. Um, because of his, quote unquote, sexist curriculum or some bullshit like that. Um, sexist and racist or some shit. Um, because he's trying to teach the classics, the he classics says. The classics of literature. Yeah. Um, so like he it, wishes everyone a happy winter break and dismisses the class. Um, and my question, I was like, who the fuck is a full lecture on the last day of class? Like, that's just normally used for, like, taking a final exam, maybe getting the results back from the final, just some, some odds and ends, ramp, you know. And it's like shit. a full class, this too. This is a full, like, everybody's there, full-on lecture, take your notes. But, like, it's the day before Christmas break or, like, the last day of class. Like, this is such – like, that would not happen. Like, nobody does that. What a prick. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, fuck. It just, like, do these people go to college? Do the writers ever go to college? Like, do they – why would they – I don't know. So, after class outside, we meet some more of our main girls. Oh, sorry. I mean women. Um, <laughs> Marty, the cute one, and Chris, the fucking obnoxious, annoying, over overwoke bitch, Chris, who turns out to be the one – that is spearheading the movement to get Gelson fired. <clears throat> dude, I like how she's, like, getting signatures and, like, some people are brushing her off. And one dude's like, stops to go sign it. Doesn't even know what it is. Nope, just, like, just, she doesn't even finish her conversation about it. She's just like, hey, would you sign this petition? He just, like, kind of looks at her and goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Yeah, exactly. Dude. That's half the problem right there, man. <laughs> um, So... They uh, basically they end up at a coffee shop where Riley works. Uh, Chris continues to ramble on and rant about her overwoke agenda. 
Uh, we find out that she's the reason that the bust of Calvin Hawthorne has been removed from its historical place of uh, viewing in the administration building and is now at the DKO frat house. She's also like goes on because her one of her friends is like, yeah, well, you're doing that petition. And she's like, well, you got to get behind me, you know, and, and, and you know, he's like, well, somebody's like, well, he's just trying to treat the classics. And like, oh, this yeah. is the phrase of piss. And she's like, they're not my classics yeah, right here. Um, and we, we also learned that according to legend, Hawthorne was a slave owner and dabbled in the dark arts. And then this is where he cut what Eric just said, because they're like, uh, Chris goes on about all the classic all work. Classic works of literature are all written by white men, and they're not her classics. And uh, that shit pissed me off. I'm like, she's only been in the movie for like two minutes already, and I hate this bitch. Yeah. Like, I already hate her. Here's your job in life. Finish college, become a literature professor, and then change the curriculum. Yeah, teach what you want <clears throat> at that point. Yeah. Like, just... Read to help redefine the classics. <laughs> Don't get somebody fired because they're like, uh, we should read Shakespeare because it's fantastic. Like, it's like, no, dude, yeah, knock it off. Yeah, I mean, just, <clears throat> come on. Um... On top of that, she gives her sister shit for not signing her petition and then basically ends up guilting them into doing it. Right? She's part of her own problem. Yeah. She's, she's exactly, she's personified exactly what she's like trying to uh, fight against. She's radicalized herself to say like, well, you should sign it because we should all just get along. We're sisters. We're, yeah. in, we're in a sorority. Together. But that's not how it works, man. I have my own mind, yeah. my own opinions. Yep, exactly. 100%. Um, and this is where we meet Landon, the uh, geeky black guy who has a crush on Riley. He's a little scrawny guy. I like this dude. Um, Landon leaves as one of the DKOs enters. Uh, he talks to the girls about this party slash town show at the house tonight. Uh, and we learn that Riley was harassed and assaulted by a now alumni of the DKOs named Brian, who was a former president of the house. We cut to the girls at the DKO house getting all dialed up for the musical performance, which just seems like a ripoff of Mean Girls. Uh, <laughs> we get an, uh, another one. We meet another one of our main group named Jesse. The girls are all dressed up in these skin-tight mini Santa dresses with cleavage hanging out. Uh, Mari's boyfriend, Nate, is there, too. We meet him. Uh, turns out Helena, one of the sisters who's supposed to do the show with him, is missing. So they send Riley off to find her. Uh, Chris corrects everyone's vocabulary every time someone says girls she corrects them and forces them to say women or woman uh, it gets really fucking annoying uh, Riley leaves to go off to find Helena she's really fucking annoying yes. Chris she, she, uh, oh, I fucking hate Chris um, she's great at her job if her fucking if they were like you need to be the most annoying chick in the movie <laughs> she nailed good it good job good she job nailed it you are a fantabulous actor <laughs> Now what happens next, I have a huge problem with from just based on my uh, being, you know, uh, fraternity life and, you know, fraternity stuff. So Riley's wandering around the frat house and she comes to the chapter room. And for those who don't know what a chapter room is, it's basically the ritual room slash meeting room where the fraternity holds their meetings, their rituals. It's kind of like a, most of the time it's a private thing. Sometimes it's open up for parties, depending, but all the ritual stuff is put away. Um. Riley hears voices coming from inside and just opens the door and spies on the DKOs in the middle of an, of an initiation ritual, which centers around the bust of Calvin Hawthorne, which is now crying black goo from its eyes. Like what? What the fuck? But yeah, it's crying like a, like a bloody Virgin Mary statue only it's black goo. Um, and she watches as the active who is leading the ritual runs his fingers through the goo 
and then draws a delta on the pledge's forehead with his gooey finger. Now, <laughs> this is my problem with this. In no fucking universe would the fraternity be conducting any sort of private secretive ritual initiation or anything while there's a party talent show going on in the house at the same time. That shit is kept secret. It's done during closed house. What that means, you lock the doors. No one's allowed fucking in unless you're a member. You don't do that shit, and you certainly don't do that shit without locking the goddamn door. <laughs> Everybody knows that sacred fraternity rituals are held on Tuesday night. Yeah. Come on, Brian. You really want to see the bitches doing the elephant walk? Come on. <laughs> Not the weekend talent show. <laughs> Which also, by the way, it's like your your sisters force you to go to the fraternity house where your assaulter where you is assaulted, going to be. Like, yeah. You assaulted there, and they're like, it's fine. Get over it. Yeah. You, it's like, they are terrible sisters. They're all about sister this and sister that, but they use it for their own agenda. Yeah. You're like, your sister, you have to help us out. We need a person. You have to. Now, like, oh, we're her sisters. We should just leave her at home. She shouldn't even be here for this we yeah. should protect we or, shouldn't even we, be here exactly we yeah. should be boycotting this they even talk about it that another sorority the, boycotted it the uh uh yeah the one from the opening of the movie with yeah. lindsay and una yeah i forget uh i forget i have their name later but uh the, yeah they they actually said we boycotted that show because of this because of the the, the delta uh the deke's attitude but these bitches are like nope we're doing this slutty christmas show fuck our girl sister who was raped here yeah it's this is a horrible message. Yeah. It goes against everything this movie's trying to say. This is just as bad as people going to protest and being like, I'm just here to protect myself. No, dude, you went to look for trouble. They're looking for trouble. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're, this is a bad idea, and you're going to find it, and it's not going to end well for anybody. Nope, and, and they certainly do find trouble because of it. So Riley uh, closes the door to the chapter room and goes back to looking for Helena, who she finds drunk and making out with some DKO guy, maybe her boyfriend, I don't know. Um... Uh, but Helena has a change of heart. She's like, no, no, stop. Come on, stop. I want." I, but he doesn't want to stop, of course, because he's an evil man. So Riley bursts in, interrupting them, and ends up taking Helena out of the room. Uh, Helena gets sick, throws up, and then so Riley gets an Uber and sends her home. Helena, now out of the picture, the other girls, like we said, convince Riley to take Helena's spot in the show. And just so happens they have, they have an extra dress in Riley's size ready to go. Weird. Bullshit. Because it wasn't Helena's dress because she went home in hers. <laughs> this is, that's a complete, keep, uh, complete bullshit. So we cut to the show. The girls are taking the stage and they start their little, uh, they start their little uh, Santa song and dance. And at first Riley freezes up when she sees Brian enter the back of the room. Because he's a little man. Why? Of course why wouldn't a, grad, a grad, recent grad be hanging out there again? On Christmas, the last day of the yeah, shouldn't he day. be at like whatever fucking internship his dad set up? Yeah, exactly. They, they, he really shouldn't be there. Um, so anyway, also another thing to keep in mind: initiation for fraternities is not held like the day before Christmas break. That shit's held like rush is not like early September. Yeah, it's after, it's after rush week. Yeah, at, well, no, and a rush week is we sign, but then you go through your pledge ship. And which is a few weeks. So normally it's at the very end, of, very end of November or the beginning of December before finals start. I'm just saying it wouldn't be this late in the semester. Um, so anyway, we, uh, they're doing the show. Uh, Riley goes off script and turns the song into a crusade against Brian and how he assaulted and raped her. Uh, and during all this, the men in the audience are booing the girls like, boo, fuck you, bitches. But all the... Uh, all the random girls, I mean women, are cheering them on. 
did she go off script? I felt like it, it just it was just awkward, but like I kind of felt like it, this was supposed to be the message because uh, l- later on in the movie they discuss how because you know she's throws but she's like I didn't want to fucking be there, and then like the girls were like you wrote the song, so they never say like whether she went off script or not. Yeah, but th- it, but it is Chris, it does seem like it later in the way Chris and Riley argue about this. She says it was she's like. My song, like it was your song. Like there's, I get confused. Like who wrote? Like if if, if this if this is how it was originally written, or because I got the back, she just went off script and started improvising right there. Which is why I also called bullshit because the girls just immediately picked up on like, oh, I know the words to this made up song. She's making up on the spot. That's kind of why I feel like maybe they had it rehearsed, or it's a, a, a little bit. Maybe they she flipped it a little bit, but like this was always supposed to be like the general message. Maybe I guess that could kind of make sense. I, I I didn't think I thought. I didn't think about it that way. I just thought it was completely improv because of the way she looks. Like, she's completely free. And then she starts a song, and then it seemed like she changed all of a sudden. It went into, like, her own thing. Because Chris is behind it, and she gives a look at her face like, oh, we're going off book. That's, yeah, that, that, that's the look I got. But I'm knows? trying to give the benefit of the doubt because uh, for the movie that I didn't generally like, I did like this part. I thought the message was funny and, and, and in their faces. Right. It was definitely in their Um So... Uh, they finish the song and dance. They run off the stage and out of the house. Outside, they bump into Landon, uh, who I guess was DJing the party or something. He was there for some reason. Um, and he and Riley share a moment. Yeah, he's their DJ. Uh, she invites him in to come. She invites him to come hang out with her and the girls. I mean, women. So they all head <laughs> off together. It's he's. I love this character, but he's so awkward because uh, her friend Chris is just so militant. Yes. In, a, in a sense in, in her ways and, 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 and she's very open about how she feels about men like even when he's at the coffee house like he what he said something very flirty like she's like I'm really sorry for your wait he's like I don't mind waiting and then like he looked around and he's like I'm sorry like <laughs> like that wasn't okay to say man that's a little that that was a flirt it wasn't like no I liked watching you bend over and your tits hanging out like, <laughs> he didn't say that he said I didn't mind waiting he said you're very nice to look at and you're sweet uh, you know you take your time and I'll get to me when you get to me whatever you know and he, it, it, even in this uh, exchange uh, he's very just like, oh yeah, sure, and then he, like he kind of sees the rest. He's like, mm, you know what, maybe not. They're, they're your friends are a little too much. <laughs> so we cut back to the house, uh, the the Moo Kappa house, the girls' house, where we see Helena packing up her bags, uh, packing up ready to leave for break. But she gets, she goes off, she has to vomit, and she comes back to packing. But then she starts getting texts from Calvin Hawthorne. And then here's a door open and closed somewhere in the house. She opens her bedroom door, peeks out, and sees nothing. But when she opens, but when she closes her door, again, we see a robed figure standing behind her, blackout. How the fuck did he get in her room? <laughs> she never left her room. Black Christmas magic. It is. It's what the fuck is happening? She is in her room. I take that. She goes to get, she vomits, comes back, but then she hears the door open and close. But she's in her room. So there's no way somebody would have got in her room really without her knowing or seeing it. And then get behind her. Like, it's this fucking bullshit horror movie. Well, bullshit. It's bad writing. Bad, yeah, terrible writing. We cut to Riley waking up in her bed again the next morning after dreaming about her rape. Uh, her phone buzzes. And she gets a text from uh, Una, uh, one of the girls, I mean women, from Delta Sigma. <laughs> Asking if Riley has seen or heard from Lindsay. After a short exchange with Franny, Riley heads downstairs carrying the house cat. 
Uh, and she comes down the stairs and we hear someone say, why is so much of our stuff missing? Uh, it's a small, you think it's a throwaway line, but it does come back. Uh, Riley says that she thinks someone from the DKO, DKO was in the house last night because this cat has black goo on its paws. We cut to the outside of the story house and we see just like nearly every other fucking college movie, these girls, I mean women, live in a fucking castle instead of an actual Greek house. Uh, and they all load up in Nate's car and drive off. Back inside, poor Franny is left all alone, looking for the cat, wandering from room to room. As she comes out of one room, a robed figure dashes out behind her, grabs her around the neck with a string of Christmas lights. We cut away. That's it. Uh, forgot to mention, this movie is also PG-13. I had to explain that. I should have said that at the beginning. That's another sign of bullshit you're ahead for. Um, you cut to the main group of girls, I mean women, and Nate shopping for their <laughs> Christmas tree. Uh, Riley starts getting more creepy texts. Yeah, doesn't say a goddamn thing to her sisters about it, who just walk away. Um, and then she gets a call from Helena's mom saying that Helena never made it home last night. Um, now we cut to the girls, I mean women, getting back to the sorority house. Uh, Riley says something doesn't feel right and then leaves again as she walks away from the house. The camera pulls up and we see a dead Franny out on the balcony. So, um, I forgot to do this for Lindsay, but she's dead. There she goes. Um, we jump, we jump to Riley talking to a campus security officer who seems more interested in his bologna sandwich than listening to her because cops are stupid and they don't listen to women. They care more about their donuts and bologna than helping out women. Um, she tells him about the missing girls and the threatening text, but he kind of blows her off. But he does eventually go with her to the DKO house. But when they get there, there's nobody there. The <laughs> officer arrives home. She declines. Uh, so she wanders around the DKO house looking through windows. And then she gets startled by Gelson, who pops up behind her for some reason. Why? I don't know. He's just there. Sure, the professor is on an off day just wandering around outside of fraternity house. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I like how the cop gives it that fucking that line you hear, too. Where it's like, oh, well, boys will be boys and yeah. all that. Boys will be, well, you know. Yeah. And then just gets in the car and drives away. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, message. <laughs> Um, so she actually knocks some papers out of Gelson's hands and she bends down to pick them up for him and she sees that one of the papers is a list of sororities and their members including her name and her sister's names Um, Gelson says that he has a key to the house for some reason I don't know why maybe he's the the faculty advisor for this fraternity I don't know but he's there Um, and offers the letter inside to look for her lost comb which is her cover story that why she's there yeah, where are like the like the house mothers and stuff for these type of fraternities? Yeah, first of all, yeah, we never see a house mother at the Moo Cap House, the girls' house. We never see a house mother. And uh, yeah, where's Mrs. Mack? She was in the other two movies. Yeah, they, they completely leave out the house mother, and they leave out the house father, or um, you know, for the fraternity too. Um, although. Um, I've never been to one we in real life that didn't have one either live in or like near, like was damn near nearby. like next door kind of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> my campus, the sororities had a house mother in the house that li- would live there. The fraternity, our fraternity, we did not have a live in like house father or anything like that. We had faculty advisors and we had an alumni who was really, uh, who also worked for a school who lived in town. So he was kind of a pseudo house father, but he w- he lived 
he was not in the house. He lived downtown. My buddy had one. It was like a like a graduate student, like student teacher kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. and that's where they if they were brothers, they would you know they would stay there and sort of thing like that. But that was like their job, right? Like the house father sort yeah. of thing. Um, but yeah, they completely got away with the house mother aspect. Another sign that these people don't know what they're talking about when it comes to fraternities and Greek life. Um, Greek life. Greek life. Um, where was it? So, uh, lost comb. Gelson asked Raya to ask. She, at this point, Gelson is talking to Raya and asked her to ask Chris to take down the video of their song and dance performance from the other night because it's very upsetting and kind of disrespectful. And uh, Raya's like, I didn't know she put it up. I didn't know there was a video. Blah blah blah. Um, he he talks some more to her, but something he says upsets Riley and she leaves. I think it's about the video because she's upset that it was posted on online. He is like a little too involved in their lives in a sense. Like he yeah. just he's he seems to know a lot about what's going on. He's very in touch with <clears> his <throat> students. Yeah. Um we cut back to the MK house, uh the, we cut to the empty house girls, I mean women, are hanging out in the <laughs> kitchen talking. Uh Riley storms in pissed at Chris for posting the video. They get into an argument over her extreme feminist equality crusading attitude. Riley tells her that Gelson wants the video pulled and he uh, she thinks he's just pissed off at the petition, which yeah, bitch, he should be. But I mean, you're trying to get his ass fired. Of course he's gonna be mad. Because he's just teaching books. Yeah, but she doubles down on this saying it's not it's not over. This shit's just getting started. Because how dare a man can try I get, to oppress her and make her take down a video off YouTube? Can I get that list of fucking books they're studying? Is one of them Mein Kempf? <laughs> yeah. Like, fucking for real. Um, so, um, at this point, um, Riley yells back to her saying, Hey, everyone's not like you. Not everybody wants to be you. And so, this, at this point, everyone starts arguing. Poor Nate gets pulled into this. Who gets pissed off when he gets lumped into the all men are evil sexist rapist vibe that's going on. I like his response. Yeah. I feel very strongly with Nate. Yeah, I'm coming up with, yeah. Nate's got a good one. Uh, Jesse doesn't like the arguing, so she leaves and heads up to the attic to look for Christmas lights. Um, After going through several burnt out lights, Jesse grabs one uh, one more string. She's like, let's try this one last one to see. She plugs in, and this time they light up. Uh, the lights light up the darkened area next to her that we can't see. I love it when she goes to herself. She's like, do Christmas lights go bad? Yeah, ex- expire. So like, <laughs> yeah, that was kind of fun. Um, so they, the lights light up this darkened area in the screen. And something there scares her. It's so fast. I can't really make out what the fuck it is. If it's a, a, a dead body. If it's an, uh, a, 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 the a killer's face. What? It's just something's there. She screams and it cuts away. Um, now we go back to Nate, and this is where Nate finally snaps at these bitches uh, because they're arguing about the video. And then uh, Nate's like, "Well, what do you expect is going to happen? Of course you're going to piss them off with that stunt." And this is, and this, all right, and that. This is a bunch of guys. All right, sorry. All right, let me. I might have messed up my notes here. And what if like a bunch of guys got up and sang a song about women being bimbos and flashing their tits? You all would be pissed off too. So he's basically saying, "Yeah, you fucked up." And what do you expect was going to happen? And if the shoe was on the other foot, you'd be mad. Chris yells back something about how men have all the power. Nate responds saying that all men have power, which angers Chris even more, saying, "Did you really just not all men me?" 
Like, that's a basically an offensive statement. Like, oh, how dare you say not all men. More arguing ensues, leading the girls to kick. They end up kicking Nate, the evil man, out of the house. Because how dare he have an opinion other than theirs. So that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a, a, t- a tough scene there. Uh, hard to swallow, for sure. And, uh, you know... They, they were getting into it with each other. And is this the point? This is the part where they also talked about, like, how they're getting creepy texts, right? Isn't this? I don't think. No. Is that? Okay. That's, that's was, coming up. That's coming up. That's coming up. But, like, yeah, so they kick. That's right, because they kick him out. And, like, I'm watching, and I was like, man, yeah, exactly. Like, I, f- I feel for you, right? Like, you don't have to uh, lump us all together, yeah. right? I wouldn't want to lump all women together. Uh, you know, like, You'd be like, all black people are dangerous. Oh, you know, all of this race is that. You know, all of this gender is that. Like, it's just, that's all. This is very bad. It's very broad. You yes. shouldn't, don't paint with a brush like that. Exactly. You're almost very ignorant. Very, very ignorant. <clears throat> um, so, as soon as they slam the door on Nate, Riley's phone starts buzzing, and she gets a text saying, I will bring you to your knees. And one by one, all the girls, I mean women, start getting threatening texts. <laughs> then, from out of fucking nowhere, an arrow flies out, shatters the lamp. Oh, wait, hold on. Right okay. before this happens, yeah. because they are going on about the video, and they're, and like Riley's like, oh, I'm getting these. She's like, you know, Helena's missing, or whatever the, the one gal is. And then I'm getting all these threatening messages, and like the other girl goes, wait, you're getting threatening messages? And then the third girl's like, yeah, me too. Nobody stops and's like, wait a minute, so-and-so <laughs> is missing? It's just all about what's fucking happening. Right there in the moment, about them yep. and them alone. Yep. That pissed me off. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. I can't remember, But yeah, again, these bitches just don't care about anybody other than themselves. They act like they do, but yeah. They, Sisterhood. We've had, we've had Lindsay already, Riley knows Lindsay's missing. She tried to report her missing. She needs one girl's missing already. Now, Helena, their own sister's gone missing. They don't even, yeah, they don't give a beat on that. We're like, well, fuck it. And they even but, bring it up. And then they just don't even stop. They're just like, whatever, she's whatever. missing. Fuck but it. I'm Move getting threatening messages. So, yeah. fuck Helena. Um, so, anyway, the arrow comes flying out of nowhere, shatters a lamp. A robed figure comes out from behind the corner. <clears throat> the girls, I mean women, run. <laughs> he fires another arrow. This one clips Marty in the ankle or the calf or somewhere. Uh, it, it clips her. The three of them hide in an upstairs closet while the attacker goes around picking up all the dropped cell phones. Chris tells Riley that they need a phone so they can call the cops, then call the other girls to warn them, which I found fucking hilarious because all movie long, Chris corrects everyone who uses the word girl, but now she's using the G word. (laughs) What kind of fucking double standard bullshit is that? With a hard G too. I mean, seriously, is girl slash girls like the feminist version of the N word? Like, I don't want to like get like, but like seriously, like they act like it's the most offensive thing. Say what up girl? Like women, woman, not girl. Like, it's so, I don't know. It's really annoying. But then I found it hilarious that in this one scene, she says, we have to call the other girls. When everybody else is using that word, she yells Keep them away from the house. Yeah. It's like, well, what are you going to say? We're under attack. Do not come here. A bunch of 20-somethings? Going to head straight there. Because <laughs> fucking 20-year-olds are dumb. They think they're invincible Yeah, at that age. And nothing bad can happen to you. Uh, Riley leaves the closet while the killer starts turning off the lights in the house. Riley arms herself with a broken broomstick, I think, uh, and starts sneaking around the dark house. Kristen leaves the closet to go look for Jesse, who's, you know, somewhere in the house. 
Uh, next is still a shot of them just creeping around the house, trying to build up tension. Quick, sneaky, sneaky, sneak. Uh, Chris finds Jesse dead, wrapped in Christmas lights up in the attic. So there's Jesse. She's dead now. Too. Um, meanwhile, Nate has come back to apologize to Marty, and Ryan's like trying to keep him, like keep your voice down, like you shh, shh. and he's like feel. She's trying to feel him about someone's here attacking us. Blah blah blah. Uh, Nate's balls drop at this point. He's like, he, he, he just grabs a fucking hatchet for some reason that next is sitting next to a tree. He's like, no one treats my women with, threatens my women. Yeah. And he's like, he shouts like, there's a man. And like, he's like, I, like, he's like, I'm a man. And then, wham, fucking arrow to the chest from out of nowhere. He's dead. And what's uh, with all these fucking bow and arrows, man? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> What what is that? What, when when is is this in? Like, I don't I don't get. What, what, yeah, like what, who has a bone just lying around? Did the girls have it? Did the killer bring it with him? Like of all things to bring, why are they walking around the bow and arrow? Giant <laughs> unwieldy fucking bow. Okay, cool. So under that mask, we got Hawkeye. Yeah, I barely think he's a big Hawkeye fan or, or Green Arrow. I <laughs> right? Guess, yeah, but you're gonna sneak around with that thing in your quiver, right? Those things are not <laughs> quiet. I've been deer hunting. It's not a silent he fucking option. He doesn't even have a quiver, so I don't even know where he's keeping the arrows. It's just a bow. He's got, uh, he, they're inside the diva cup. He actually took it. And he's stretching them out. He stretched out that diva cup. It's a quiver. Oh, oh. Uh, so Nate's dead. Um, the killer who we see is also wearing a mask now. We finally see that he, I don't know who he's wearing a mask. Now attacks Riley. He's, he got pinned up against the wall, slices both of her cheeks with like this small knife he has, and then kisses her because why? Because they're underneath the mistletoe. Uh, she breaks free. They struggle some more, rolling around on the floor, struggling against each other. Riley gets the upper hand, or gets her hands on her keys, and then kills the mass attacker by stabbing him up underneath the chin with her keys. He's now dead. Uh... In runs Chris with Marty, who helped Riley up. They all hug. Oh, we're all safe. Yay. Uh, <laughs> Riley knees, kneels down to take off the attacker's mask. But before she can, another robed masked man appears in the doorway. The girls, I mean women, flee the front door. But right before they can get to it, another masked robe figure steps in front of it. So now they're fucking multiplying. Like they're the like Jamie fucking Maddox or something. Like just... Jesus, they're peering out of everywhere. So around the corner comes Billy. Then there's Stu. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, there's two of them. <laughs> uh, Marty, who grabbed a hatchet that um, Nate dropped. Yes, a good weapon, not a bow and fucking arrow. <laughs> or keys. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, they're in the kitchen, and she armed herself with some keys. keys. Uh, she, she steps up to the man. Uh, telling him to just leave now that they call the cops, but he can save himself if he leaves now. Like, just get out of here, go. While she's saying that she's slowly taking steps towards him, raising the hatchet above her head, not being subtle at all. Like, uh, just raise the hatchet up, um, ready to swing at this new killer. But the killer easily just grabs her wrist mid-swing, then gives Marty a solid, like, back fist to the face while yanking the hatchet out of her hand in the same motion, then hits Marty... In the stomach with the hatchet, dropping her, uh, and the other two take off running. The killer goes after them. But still alive, Marty grabs onto the killer's leg. The killer just kicks Marty, just like, just kicks her, uh, freeing himself from her grip, and he goes after the other two. 
Chris and Riley hide behind the kitchen island as the killer leaves Mari to go look for them. Meanwhile, Mari's able to reach a dropped cell phone and calls campus security. Uh, Chris creeps out from her hiding spot, but, uh, but real shortly after this gets grabbed by the killer who slams her around a bit, uh, beating her ass. And I was 100% okay with this. <laughs> I was hoping he was going to kill her, but she gets saved by Riley who stabs the killer in the back with like a large barbecue fork or serving fork or something. Uh, then Chris kills the killer by stabbing him in the top of his head with a knife. So he's now dead. The security guard kicks open the front door, yelling out, freeze! Right as the girls, I mean women, from the other sorority... Yeah, this was a cool twist here. ...kill another robed attacker. But then instantly the security guard gets stabbed in the back and killed by another mass robed figure. So there's a, they are fucking legion at this point. He's dead. <laughs> So I will say it was kind of a nice uh, uh, like editing spec camera work here where you think he's kicking open the door to the uh, Moo Kappa house, but he's actually kicking the door open to the, I don't know, Delta Sigma. Or what, I forget what the other, why I said this other one. I love when like movies or like video games like do this kind of thing, right? They build up a lot of tension and they think that there's about to be rescued and it turns out they're in the wrong place or there's two of them. Like, you know what I mean? That's always a fun twist for me. I always like when this is used. And uh, kudos to them for that because that was good. I was like, yeah, yeah. it's... it's but that was one of the shiny points again. Yes. There's not many, not many. But so I'm we, trying we gotta to get we, we got we got grip on and right. Hold Give up. credit where credit is due. It's not a lot. Uh, so yeah, that got another mass robe figure is dead. Cut back to Riley and Chris to realize that they are not covered in blood but black inky goo, and decide to unmask one of the attackers. Riley takes off the mask and she recognizes him as one of the DKO pledges, the one we saw earlier when she spied on the ritual. Chris tells Riley that she's going to get Nate Nate's car keys and for her to meet her at uh, at the car. By the way, at this point, I, I I'm pretty sure none of them just they just like they even check on Marty. I don't think because she was still alive when they fled. The killer kicked him, like kicks her. And that's the last you see of her. I don't remember, like, seeing her. Maybe I'm missing something, but I, maybe did she actually get an actual, like, death sink? Or did they just, like, fucking forget her ass there? Kind of, they forgot her, you know? They never go back to check on her. I didn't think about it, but yeah. I... Granted, she might. I guess she bleeds out or something because she took a hatchet to the stomach. But still, like, they didn't go to help her after the killers were dead. I don't remember her showing up on the kill count, so... We guess... never see her again, though. No. Nope. Like, she, she's just gone. <clears throat> well, sisterhood. Yep. Great, great sisterhood. Um, so, uh, yeah, we uh, they're going to go for Nate's car. On the way to get the keys, Chris stops um, at the body of one of the attackers and stabs him in the neck with her knife for good measure. As we see this, another masked man, road man, steps up from behind a corner. They end up struggling. Chris calls out for Riley for help, but the attacker manages to mount Chris and starts to strangle her. And again, I find myself hoping this is where Chris would get killed, but nope. Once again, she gets saved by Riley, who pops up behind the attacker and covers his face and head with a plastic bag. Riley suffocates the guy, and they run out uh, uh, to the car. So he's another one's dead, too. I like how she's, like, struggling to get the keys out of the dude's neck where they've been lodged. Yeah. Like, it's really hard for her. Just pull him. <laughs> Just pull Fucking him. pull him. <laughs> um, so as, uh, 
as they get in the killer with the bow, who I guess is still alive, or there's another one who picked up the bow. I don't fucking know at this point. I've lost count. Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> he, he steps out uh, and out the front door and shoots an arrow at them, but it hits the car instead, and the girls, I mean women, drive away. <laughs> As they drive, they argue a bit about what happened. Riley realizes that the bust of Hawthorne is the source of this strange power and that she has to go get that bust. So Chris lets her out eventually and oh, she... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. This whole thing, this right, like, at this point, they flip the script here. And Riley goes a little insane. Yeah. And Chris is like the, the the reasonable one here. She's like, no, we got to go to the cops. Let's go get the fucking cops. We'll be safe. And let's let them know what the fuck's going on. And then Riley's like, no, why would they believe us? They didn't believe me when I got raped. Okay. Look without a rape kit and like you, everybody cooperating, that's really hard to prove, mm-hmm. but several fucking robed dead bodies and dead sorority yeah. sisters in one fucking place. I promise you that you will not be fucking questioned. And she's like, it's the fucking, uh, what, 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 what are the deltas or, or um, what is the, what is the guy fraternity? The Dukes? Duke? The Deeks. 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 Uh, she's like, it all leads back to them. First, so-and-so goes missing. Then we go to the party. Then there's the bust and it bleeds black blood. And they were having some sort of ritual. And then this happened. And this happened. She's like, and it all leads back to him. And I was like, are you a fucking fan of fucking Martini Ranch Lady? Because that is a reach right there. I have never fucking heard a thinner fucking plot line in my life. Yeah. It all leads back to them because of why? Because you saw some statue crying black goo? That's... What in you're going to prove? In a dimly lit room that's only lit by candles, basically. That's even suspicious of that. Like, you can't even tell it's black. It could just be dark. Red. You don't know what the fuck's on there. Right? It? Yeah. It, it's, it's, yeah, I agree. It, eventually, so you're going to have to prove this in a court of law. If you don't want to go to the cops today, eventually, it's going to come up. Yeah, you're, you not might hiding, wanna... you're not hiding like a dozen dead bodies that have been piling up yeah, already. Yeah, you <laughs> might want to just... Stop while you're ahead. And you're you're most free. Of those bodies are in your sorority house. Yeah, <laughs> go go and go right now. <laughs> so, uh, shit, where were we? Um, that reason they're not covering blood, black goo. Okay, we did that. Uh, they're in the bag, car. Like, she she yeah, drops off. She what's drops, her nose? Chris lets her off, and Chris drives off. As Riley walks through campus, uh, she she somehow somewhere picked up a snow shovel, and she's just dragging it behind her. And she, I love that this is her weapon of choice, too. It's a plastic snow shovel. This isn't like the one that the potential killer old man used in uh, Home Alone, yeah. right? Spreading salt out. This is a plastic, and it's not it's red. Purple. It's purple. A purplish pink. Yeah. Like, it's going to break the first time you hit somebody with it. But it's so it. pretty and cute. <laughs> and she's dragging it like it's the heaviest fucking thing in the she's world. She's dragging like Pyramid, dragging his giant fucking yeah. sword behind him, man. She's like, this fucking shovel. About to murder some fucking boys with it. <laughs> um, so and she as she's walking she just happens to cross paths with Landon who was on his way to Riley's sorority house um, for their, their dinner she invited him to and after a short conversation she convinces him to help her with his her plan she doesn't even convince him he's like you look fucked up do yeah. you need some help and she just kind of ignores him and he's like can I help you and she, yeah, all she like, says is do you really want to then there's no dialogue there's no explaining that there's some fucking secret cult and like black blood is everywhere and you're good like she's just like next thing we know he's just he's just breaking into the the fraternity yeah i'm sorry you want to get with this girl you know the power of the pussy is 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 strong but when a girl covered in blood carrying a big ass shell 
a bit, you know, be it that is plastic, turns to you like slowly, like almost like a, a serial goes, do you really want to help? And uh, in that tone, you say no. Yeah. You go the other way. I'll catch you later. Yeah, brother, are you colorblind? Because you missed that red flag. Yeah, the red flag dripping all over her face. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, sure, let's go. Fuck it. Uh, we cut back to Chris driving. She ends up picking up the girls, I mean women, from the other sorority house who were attacked. So they're all together now. Well, before they escape that scenario, because the the, 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 the campus uh, security is dead. Tripod Quest. Uh, <laughs> um, there, there's another master robe guy who's about to attack them all in the jeep, and what does he got? A bow and arrow. Fucking, where are these bow and arrows going? You it's know the what? Same guy. I, I think he's just like he's a mix of Hawkeye and like the Flash. Or I mean, or I guess it would be Green Arrow. If Flash. that then that guy gets around, if not, I would immediately call the cops and I'd be like, target the archery team, investigate the fucking <laughs> wherever the archery team is, find those dudes first. first. I, I like the idea of because they're college kids, it's a big. I like the idea that after he leaves the sorority house, shoots the arrow, and they drive off. He goes around to like a bush and gets on like a little moped scooter with his bow and arrow on his back <laughs> and just drives after him with the robes. He's in the Probably runs on corn. Yeah, and they see him stopping. He gets off the scooter, puts it to the side, and gets the bow out. He's like, all right, all right, that's how I'm getting around. Um, so. Uh, yeah, so they're all all the girls. I mean, women are in are, are in the car now. You go back to the DKO house. Riley gives Landon the hidden spare key that she learned about from Gelson. Landon goes in to cause a distraction so she can sneak in to get the bust. Excuse me, uh, but Landon pretty much instantly gets caught. I mean, I mean, he makes his distraction. He goes in. He's like, "Hey, you fuckers!" You all suck. Fuck you. You broke my mixing board. Yeah, fuck you, douchebags. No more DJ and other talent shows. Well, that worked because he instantly gets, like, surrounded by all the DKOs that are in the house. Um, We hear this high-pitched whistling noise is heard, and Landon grabs his head in pain. The president of the DKOs says, got a headache, bro? I love you throwing bro at this, too. Um... That's just the founder drawing out your true alpha. Your alpha. Oh, fuck. Meanwhile, Riley makes it to the chapter room uh, and has the bust in her sights, but then she hears a girl, I mean woman, calling for help. <laughs> she follows the voice to a room and finds Helena tied up. As she untimes Helena, uh, Helena is telling her that she's, you know, she's telling her, you're going to be okay, everything's okay now. But we see Helena... Looking at Riley, and she starts to smile, like a creepy smile. And then Riley gets knocked unconscious from behind. Yeah, that's on her, right? You had the end in sight, pretty practically in your hands, and then you you walked away for it to potentially save a life. Commendable, sure, but if you do your fucking business first. Yeah, you could have said, you know, you, you do what you gave to do, you're going to save her life anyway. Yeah. And, yeah, it would have been a lot better. Just stay on target. The things we learned from Star Wars, man. Stay on target. Stay on target. Stay on target. Always stay on target. Um, Riley wakes up tied to a chair in the chapter room. As she wakes up, we see the president of the DKO drawing a delta on Landon's forehead with the black goo and then placing a robe, a hooded robe, over his shoulders. So, oh, no, they got Landon. He's turned into one of them. One of us. One One of of us. us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then we see the man who's standing in front of the bus with his back to Riley 
turn around, and we see that no one's surprised. It's Professor Gelson. Whoopity-doo. Didn't see that coming a mile fucking way. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, now we get the whole bad guy plot ex- explanation dump here. And he talks about how the, the end, toward the end, of the, the end of his life, Hawthorne, towards the end of Hawthorne's life, Hawthorne foresaw the threat posed by women, so he took precautions in case they strayed too far out of line because them rascally women be getting out of line. We got to put them back in their place. Um, and as a master of the dark arts, he left instructions on how to create an army of young men to take back their power. Riley calls them all insane. Gelson says, no, not insane, Miss Stone, just men. This also in no way justifies the petition to get him fired because they did not know that he was a murdered, murderous piece of shit. No. <laughs> I don't think I – mean, he probably wasn't until this. Like, <laughs> I think it was then that the, caused The petition it. It is, fucking it's their fault. Lit the fire. It lit the fire, man. Um, so right? We, don't kill Jason's mom, and then he's not going to fucking be a vengeful prick. Exactly. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um. So he says, not insane, Miss Stone, just men, tired of seeing ourselves falsely accused, our livelihoods threatened, marginalized, and belittled, reduced to spectators in our own lives. Gelson continues to say that upon graduation, their army will venture into courtrooms, boardrooms, and the halls of Congress to set the world right. He explains that the simple hazing ritual where they read an inscription from the bus and uh, from the bus and making uh, marking, I'm sorry, and marking them allows the spirit of Hawthorne to possess them with supernatural strength and drive. What the fuck? <laughs> and all they had to do was name the women who had stepped out of line and the boys would take care of the rest. That's our explanation. What? <laughs> that is some fucking thin plot, my friend. Yeah. Real, real thing. Uh, now comes a flashback of all the girls that were killed and or attacked and showing, like, why they're attacked. Like, Chris, because of the, pe- the petition, this all started. And Riley, because of the accusing Brian of the rape. And Lindsay, because she was outspoken against something. I don't know. It, she it, was a girl. I yeah, mean, she woman. Was, she was a, yeah. I like how you can see all the uh, knickknacks yes. that they <laughs> procured. Yeah. That's where that that throat what we thought was a throat. Like, why is all of our stuff missing? Mm-hmm. That's they're collecting like basically like voodoo trinkets, like you know something that they can you know scry on them with and or something. There's like a diva like cup sitting there. The diva cup sitting there. <laughs> Riley's home. Yeah, a bunch of stuff. Uh, Gelson continues saying that women who choose to be obedient, like your friend here, meaning Helena, will be spared, but those who refuse to be compliant. Uh, will face the consequences. Helena comes over to try to talk sense into Riley. Like, hey, right, just it's okay. That's just it's totally cool. This is how it, the way things should be. You know, it's it's just you know, get back to the status quo and everything's fine. I'm also gonna call bullshit real quick on the things that they stole. Everything else makes a little sense, but uh, as this is written by women, they obviously don't have an insight into a man's mind. Uh, no murderous man, sane man doesn't matter, right? insane or sane is going to go and grab of all the things your feminine hygiene products yeah they're very icky mm-hmm. uh, and we would like take your toothbrush or something right we definitely yeah. wouldn't take your diva cup yeah that's gross or uh, I guess in the 1980s that'd be like a diaphragm or something yeah. I don't know I mean I, I guess you can't get any closer than a diva cup or something like that but <clears throat> still like, yeah I, I agree that, that's probably the last thing someone's going to grab not fucking grabbing it right <laughs> no no 
No. Um, Riley calls Helena a traitor. Helena stands up, offers her one last chance to join her. Now in comes Brian to add his two cents to all of this. Two DKOs grab Riley, stand her up as Brian tells her to bow before them. And in comes another mass figure dressed in all black as opposed to the more reddish runs that everybody else is wearing. He moves towards Riley, then like looks like he's going to go up to Riley, but then he walks past Riley up to Helena. Helena panics. She looks back and sees her name, her, like, her name necklace on the tray of knickknacks uh, of the personal shit. Pleading, she's like, she's kind of like, no, I, what are you doing? I did everything you asked me. I, what, what, why? You know, I did everything you wanted. Uh, and the president just says, it's for the cause. And for the cause. The man in black, Johnny Cash, reaches out and just snaps neck like a fucking Slim Jim. Uh, where's my thing? Oh, yeah. There we go. <laughs> and they present him to be like this, some sort of like uber boss, big yeah, bad. Like he's, the- it's very, like, he seems to be like, they highlight him as some sort of important character behind the mask. Yeah. And he's clearly being mind controlled. Yeah. And that comes into play later. But yeah, it's like, okay, uh, who is this person? Exactly. I, I don't know. I, I, I 100% was like, who's, yeah, ooh, this is like the big guy that keep it, uh, you know, bring out for the. Right. Like, oh, the, the, the professor one. wasn't the big reveal. This, this, is, this is, is the big, yeah. this is the huge one. Yeah. No. yeah. Uh, Brian tells Riley that he'll do worse to her than that if she doesn't comply. Riley agrees. She drops to her knees. Then Brian goes into like his victory lap. Like, yeah, I told you I'd make her bow. I told you I'd do it. Ha, I'm the greatest. Calls her a bitch a whole bunch. Yeah. Uh, Riley springs to her feet, runs over to the tray of personal knickknacks, grabs her hair comb pin thing off of it and uses it to slash Brian across the face. Brian tosses her uh, into the hands of the man in black. So I guess Johnny Cash gets his ch- chance at her now. <laughs> Uh, who starts strangling her. Uh, Gelson says, see no evil boys. And all the DKOs turn their back on Riley, including Landon. The, but then an arrow, another fucking arrow comes flying out of nowhere. Kate Bishop shows up. Yeah, Kate Bishop striking the man in black, killing him dead. There he's dead. Um, and that's when, the, the army of girls, I mean women, led by Chris, <laughs> charge the room and attack all the guys. A huge battle breaks out that would rival that of 300 and Avengers Endgame. It was a firefight! <laughs> uh, one of the girls, I mean women, is armed with a fucking menorah, which made me chuckle a bit. I, I like d- the one who's wielding the... The old fucking rosebud sled like she's Captain yes! America. <laughs> yeah, dude, the menorah. <laughs> the menorah and the sled. <laughs> like, yep. All right. Great. Uh, Riley charges Brian, who at this point uh, just ends up giving her the old rock bottom. It, it, you know. It doesn't matter what you're <laughs> 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 She doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, and he easily just mounts her with his alpha energy but she uses the power of her pent up feminist rage to flip him off of her and then slams his head uh, against the stair Uh, Riley charges the bust charges for the bust raises it above her head which she struggles a little bit but I don't know I don't think she had that much time to be able to raise that that thing looks fucking heavy it's solid stone and uh, apparently not, because yeah, okay, apparently not. 
when they smash it. Yeah, she writes about it. Galsa pleads with her not to break it, saying that women is inextricably tied to men. Break us and you break yourselves. Riley says, we will never be broken and smashes the bus onto the floor. And, Which and is clearly hollow. Hollow, yeah. It reminds yeah. me of uh, Last Crusade where uh, 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 Daddy Jones is like, See, it's fake. You can tell by the cross. And he's like, this thing is like, what, 200 years old? And if it would have made back then, it's solid marble, right? Yeah. This thing is like just vacant plaster. Yeah. yeah it would be, for as old as this thing should have been, it would be solid stone. Yeah, it's just hollow. Um, but as soon as uh, she smashed it on the board, several of the guys just seem to lose their strength and urge to fight. Several of them just dropped to their knees right there on the floor. But that doesn't stop the bitches. Nope. Because Chris grabs a lit lantern and smashes it at Gelson's feet, causing him to erupt into flames. I like how she says it, too. She's like, hey, professor, suck my... And then I was expecting her to actually say, like, clit. Yeah. But no, nothing. She's just... there's. It's she doesn't PG-13. finish the line. Right. It's PG-13. Um, so Gelson goes up in flames. Um, Brian attacks Riley, knocking her to the floor. But Landon, who's back to himself now, uh, helps her up. Brian attacks Landon. The two of them fight as the room catches on fire. All the girls, I mean women, flee the burning chapter room along with Landon, who they allow to come with them. But then Riley and Chris bar the doors with the fraternity paddles, locking all the guys in the burning room, even though they can clearly hear several of them saying, help, help, please, I've changed. I'm not that way anymore. Help, help, oh, God, it, oh, God, it burns the flames. Please help, please help. Exactly. Like- <laughs> that was my point about the man in black. It's like this man is clearly under the mind control. You've Okay, you've killed him in self-defense, fine, but what about the others? All the, yes, I have a big problem with that. So all the girls, I mean women, and Landon run off now burning the now burning DKO house. They flee the house, and they stand there in the yard, look back, and watch the house burn with all the DKOs locked inside. Zoom in on Riley's face, watching the fire burn. Blackout, roll credits. That's the fucking movie. This is why I only ever fuck around with the Lambda Lambda Lambdas and Omega Moves. <laughs> there you go. Revenge of the Nerds. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I got quite the problem with that ending. Uh, because clearly, they, they, Riley knew what was up. Like, she's like, oh, this black goo is what's controlling it. It's the source of power. It's not the guy's fault. They're under mind control. Yeah, it turns out she was right in she her rant. Right, right. But she saves Landon, who's like, it's like, oh, look, it's I'm not attacking you. I'm not. But, oh, yeah, Landon, come with us. But every other guy who is clearly in the same boat, like, it's not us. That wasn't really our fault. They're like, fuck you. Burn to death, assholes. They murder. They straight up murder, like, 12, like, 20 guys who really are innocent. Well, if you, Marshall, if, it's it's for the cause. It's for the cause. Sisterhood. It's like, what the fuck? Okay, Gelson, sure, yeah, he's the bad guy, fine. Brian, sure, he's supposedly a rapist, but is he? We don't really know. There's no proof. But they murder everybody who is clearly was not of the state of mind, a like proper state of mind. It's not, wouldn't be their fault. And they murder all of them because men are evil, I guess. And it, Except Landon, he's okay. Like, it, it, it's stupid. Like, it, it's the dumbest ending. It makes zero fucking sense. So... All right, let's just um, fuck it. Let's uh, let's move on to oh, our, I'm sorry. Uh, we have uh, 
Favorite kill first. Favorite Don't kill. Don't act like you didn't love it. Favorite kill. All right. So, I don't even know what here. It's a PG-13 fucking movie. You barely even see any kills. Um, so, Eric, what do you got this week, man? What are you coming with? Uh, you know, so, I would say, honestly, the, the first one that kind of set up the movie there with the icicle kill, that was fun. It's a little reminiscent of some of the kills that you've seen in the in the older yes uh, Black Christmas movies. So I, I liked that a lot, and, and then I liked the whole dragging that body away. It looked really cool. So I'd say that's probably my favorite one. The rest are pretty lame and very quick. Yeah, uh, I'm going to 100% agree with you on this as well. Uh, they all suck because, again, it's fucking PG-13. It's almost like one of those old – They're forgettable like too. old 80s where like, like, all the kills were cutaway kills. never see any of them. And yeah, except for this one. Again, it's got to be Lindsay, the very first one because it's the only one that's – Stands out. Stands out. It's got atmosphere to it. You know, there's some tension and terror to it. You actually kind of see the kill. It sets the mood. It makes you think it's going to be a good movie. Like, okay, this is going to be that bad. And then they do do the cool visual camera trick at the end of it. So it's got to be Lindsay, which is sad when the first movie is the best kill, and it's just all downhill from there. But there it is. That's that's just the way it is. So let's move on to odds and ends. Just when you thought it was over, here comes the odds and ends. Uh, ratings. IMDb gives a 3.4 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 39% on the old thermometer. With a 31% audience score, and Amazon, being Amazon, gives it a 3.9, almost 4 out of 5. Uh, plot keywords, there were 30 or 73. Um, a lot of, you know, your basic Christmas stuff, so we're skipping over. But there were some weird ones. Um, superpower. Okay. Barista, because, of course. Right. Diva Cup made his. <laughs> I was just going to say, I really hope Diva Cup is Diva one. Cup was the power. It was in their plot keyword. Grindhouse film, which this is not a Grindhouse film. Not in the least. Not at all. So get that shit out of here. F-rated. I don't know what that fucking means. That just means fail, fucked, and... Or... Fart. Fart. Just fail. <laughs> Maybe that. Yeah. And then... I wish Aaron was here for it, but uh, just for Aaron's sake. You know... Doo, 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 psychotronic. Psychotronic <laughs> film. Made the cut again <laughs> this week. With, I don't understand... How so many movies are considered psychotronic or what that even fully means. I know we looked it up once, but I don't remember what the fuck it, what, what it actually said. Um, so let's move on to trivia. There's, there's a decent amount I picked up. I'll try to blow through this pretty quickly. So we move on to the bigger stuff. Uh, Universal Studios Bloomhouse received a lot of backlash after the first trailer was released for the film due to how much, uh, how amount of spoilers that were in the trailer. A lot of people were pissed off about that. Um, the, this is the first Blast Christmas film to be rated PG-13. The other two were rated R. About 30 minutes of footage was supposedly cut out of this movie to achieve the PG-13 rating after screen, test screenings as Takao wanted the film to be more marketable to young girls interested in horror in the horror genre. That's why supposedly it's PG-13. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> I'm also for women getting into horror, but that, not like that. That's fucking bullshit. Uh, this is the first quote-unquote black Christmas film to not feature Andrea Martin. Um, the film had a short and rushed production schedule being completed in only about five months. This all includes pre-production, post-production, and production. In fact, some scenes of the film were shot in only one take and ad-libbed without a completed script. That I believe, without a completed script. I will 100% believe that. <laughs> uh, the address of the sorority house, uh, not, not the big one, but the... 
I don't know, Delta Sigma, Moose Sigma, the, the, the smaller one, mm-hmm. is 1974 Elm Road, both a reference to the year the original film came out and a reference to Nightmare on Elm Street, which John Saxon was in both of those. Um, oh, hold on a second. All right, there you go, move on. Um, the names of the leading characters, Riley, Marty, Chris, Jesse, were intentionally picked for being unisex names. Lindsay, though, was named after feminist critic Lindsay German. Uh, director Sophia Takao said that in an interview she wanted to explore the same premise as the 1974 original, but with a Me Too style twist and a celebration of the bonds of sisterhood. Between that and the PG-13 rating, horror audiences avoided the film, reviews were scathing, and it didn't do anywhere near as well as the studio hoped. Well, no shit. I couldn't imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let me tell you, she failed miserably there. The same premise? This has nothing to do with the same premise other than they're girls that live in a house together. It doesn't even celebrate the bonds of sisterhood. In the in the first two, I can't even say first two because they're all their own thing, but the other two Black Christmas movies, those sisters, generally, some of them suck, but there are a lot that actually look out for each other or wondering where the others are, yeah. make it a point to bring it up several times about the film, like, where is so-and-so? I'm worried. Let's go check on them, right? Like, if they split up, they split up for good reasons and things like that. Like, the girls are just very much onto their own agenda. Yep. Um, so, Professor Gelson inspired by Jordan B. Peterson and is meant to be an unflattering parody of him, and the character is also based uh, on Brett Kavanaugh whose trial inspired the film, supposedly. You're fucking kidding me. Um, Singer-actress R- Ricky Lindholm, um, some of you might recognize, she's, she's kind of a pop culture geek, uh, culture girl. Um, one half of uh, was it not Hall and Oates, but um, Oates and so it's a comedic. Uh, it's like the ukulele. Uh, it's the two girls who do like the comedic ukulele songs. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, she's the tar blonde one, but she wrote this song up in the frat house, which is sung by the main characters in the fraternity house, the one where they're ripping off Mean Girls. Um, and lastly, the black goo that the fraternity brothers bleed is meant to represent literal toxic masculinity and how it affects men and changes them from humans into monsters. It was also used because they were not allowed to show red colored blood in the PG 13 rated film. Bullshit. Um, all right. So that's, that's really all the trivia I got. Um, but Eric, you might, you probably already know all this, but we're going to do it anyway. We get to move on to play this week's budget game. They spent how much the budget game. And this is a multiple rounder. We got Four numbers to guess on this one. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So we we always start with the, the budget. So the actual budget for the film. What is your guess for the budget? <sighs> it, there's no way that it could be higher than ten mil. It's got to be less than that. Um, more than two. Uh, I'm gonna go with six and a half million. Six point five. Okay. Well, um, God, I, 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 it's not an exact win, but you went, you went over. You went over, but you were pretty damn close. Pretty close. I busted the showcase. Busted the showcase. You went over. So I guess we have to... Aff- Fail. Fail. But very close. Budget, $5 million. So very, very close. Okay. I should have went right half. half. Yep. Um, that yeah. said, next we have the opening weekend. How much it made in America in the opening weekend? Ooh, 2019 Christmas mm-hmm. opening weekend. I'm gonna say maybe pre-pandemic. 
maybe right at a million. One million? Yeah. Okay. Um, this one, not as close. It's all right, though. It's all right. You got two more chances. Opening weekend, four million. Surprised. $240,245. Nobody knew better. Nobody. That's <laughs> right. At opening weekend. You don't know any better at that point. I agree. That's my, my logic on that, too. Next, gross in U.S. and Canada. How much it made total in U.S. and Canada? All right. Well, if we're going uh, a little over four as the uh, opening weekend, I'm mm-hmm. going to say total gross U.S. and Canada. Mm-hmm. Eight million total. Eight and mil. Um, I'm not giving you the DJ Ahorn because you didn't get close enough. But you're no, no, sorry. <laughs> Gross, still close. Ten million four hundred twenty-nine thousand seven hundred thirty. We did better than I thought. Yeah. And lastly, last chance redemption. Gross worldwide. How much it made worldwide? All right. So we had ten. I'm gonna go ahead and marry my two numbers then, because I've been off every time and just okay. go big. I'm gonna go. I had eight. It made ten. I'm gonna go eighteen. Eighteen million. Eighteen million worldwide. All right. That's your guess. You get. Yeah, boy! 18529730 with its worldwide growth. Look at that. Look at the big brain on brand. There you go. Congratulations. You got one. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Good job. So, yeah. Uh, still, it's still surprisingly made money. I guess not as nearly as much as they thought they were going to. They always say whatever the budget is listed as is to either double it, if not triple it, because of marketing and things like that. Normally aren't factored in. Um, right, not marketing. <clears throat> this is just budget for the film itself, not the marketing yeah. afterwards. So. so if if they if anything, they broke even. Probably, yeah. Um, so that's that's that. So uh, now we're going to move into the Mortal Kombat. Kombat. At the end of this day, one shall stand, one shall fall. In the end, when the dust settles, who will be left standing after Mortal Kombat Combat? Kute, Kute, Kute. <laughs> All right, Mortal Kombat Combat. Here we go. This is probably gonna, this may be the longest part of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there were one thousand seven hundred sixty-two total reviews on Amazon. Not surprised there. Here's a lot some, of people got a lot to say. Here's where you might be surprised. 52% are five-star reviews. No, it's, it's, it's made-up numbers. 11% are one-star. So let's get this started. Yeah, that is I filtered through a lot of these. Some of them are kind of lengthy. I try to get a mixture of long or decent size with some short ones. Starting off five-star from Plum Pudding. Why she talk? Why she talk? <laughs> <laughs> I love this movie. It's legitimately one of my new favorites. The characters were really realistic, relatable, and human. Like many of Sophia Takao's other movies, Takao is the writer as well as the co-director with April Wolf. This one is largely about exploring close relationships between women as well as exploring how women survive the increasingly advancing threat of male violence. 
It's really exciting the way this movie centers centers women unapologetically, though of course that's bound to piss off some people. The movie kept real attention with me, which isn't easy with how many horror movies I've watched over the last couple of weeks. Not lifetime, years. Weeks. <laughs> because of the amazing work the cast and crew did making these characters and this world come to life. Because it's such an in-depth world they're in. I, she did hit the nail on the head. These are very human characters because they are fucking selfish human beings. That's yeah, for sure. That's true. The kills had the callbacks you expect, but it was at least done tastefully so that people who... Haven't seen the first of me, wouldn't be confused or disappointed with the, those kills anyway. I thought this reboot was really fresh take on the original that was unafraid to have a take and stand behind it. You'll have a great time if you like the idea of taking down statues of Confederates, slave owners, and or genocidal colonists. Five stars. <laughs> Did she say, so you didn't have to be confused if you hadn't seen the first movie? Something like that, yeah. This has nothing to do with it. Nothing to do. Nothing. Alright, moving on to Ithaca Red. You'll start seeing a, um, a theme to these reviews, I believe. <laughs> I don't know how many horror fans could dislike this movie unless they are an incel, an incel, N-I-C-L, incel, a rapist or a tr- trad wife, T-R-A-D wife. I don't even know what that fucking means. I don't think I'm any of those. Yeah. Um, it uh, it has a well-developed story, interesting characters, and a movie moves at a quick pace. There are moments of homage to classic horror movies, including the original BC movie, Black Christmas. This one is a thousand times better than the poorly shot Snooze Fest original film. Bitch, shut your fucking what? mouth. Fuck you. With its pro-life propaganda and characters who just sit around waiting to die. She's still referring to the first movie. I did love the crass alcoholic house mother in the original. Visually interesting kills, great production design, and solid twists. This movie will be applauded in a few years the way Scream is now. No way. <laughs> and there's no pro-life message in the first one. If anything, he, he dies because of his fucking his incessant need to keep the baby. Yeah. She compares this to Scream? Are you fucking kidding me? No. Ugh. We have not watched the same movies, apparently. <laughs> Ithaca Red. And poorly shot snooze fest. That first movie has some. We're going to talk more about the other remakes after this is all done. For Good. A but man, that first movie has some amazing shots in it. There's one that still sticks out in my head. Um, I'll get to that later. Uh, from Caitlin Norton. Was there a heavy feminist plot? Yeah, but it didn't feel forced <laughs> and flowed quite nicely the entire time. As a film buff, I also enjoyed all the subtlety to the movie. There's no subtlety in this movie. <laughs> this fucking movie is the opposite of subtle. Black goo being literal toxic masculinity, a girl being stabbed with an icicle, a metaphor for rape, and even the shade being thrown on Mean Girls with that dance. Fantastic. Five stars. So I, I never knew icicles were a metaphor for rape. I Yeah, I guess Mother Nature should apologize for the phallic, <laughs> phallic shape of the, uh, of the icicle that it forms naturally. Also, all caves, all stalactites, caves. and stalagmites should also apologize. Cancel them. From here on out, icicles <laughs> and stalagmites are fucking canceled. Canceled. Get on there, woke <laughs> people. Cancel that shit. Um, but, but. <laughs> no, I'm just going to let it go. Fuck it. And E of the Stars writes, I don't agree with all the bad reviews. I like this movie a lot. It takes a while to get into it. I like the cast, 
The rapport reminded me of The Craft for some reason. It's a girl little horror thriller. I may buy it because I like to rewatch my favorites. Five stars. So you may you haven't even bought the film, but I guess are you the only person in the world who likes to rewatch their favorite movies? <laughs> you don't fucking say. What so. a novel concept! <laughs> exactly. Who would ever think about doing that? All right. Move. I like how she likens it to the craft too. It's yeah. also a. a, a uh, cast of women who are just horrible to each other. <laughs> yeah, they really fucking are. Uh, that's a that's a good commentary on social uh, press, uh, peer pressure on that one too. That's a great movie. It, yeah, I like the craft. Um, from Paul R. Mall, acting and storyline are a proper mess. But if you're <laughs> looking for a laugh, it's fine. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> kind of went the opposite uh, way I would expect that review to go, but sure, why not? Yeah, this one's weird too. Tanya right titles it boring, and then the review is okay. Movie wouldn't watch it again, but five stars, five stars, five fucking stars. Five stars. There's people I don't understand. Do not see the con- grasp the concept of what a five star review is. This movie stars. gave me fingernail cancer. <laughs> five stars. <laughs> Lastly, from Princess Tia, if you're searching. For best spooky Halloween movie to watch, <laughs> search no further than Black Christmas, <laughs> which premiered in theater on Christmas Day 2019. Five stars. <laughs> so much wrong with that. None movie. of the, the only thing she got right is the title of the movie. <laughs> and the premiered year. on Christmas in the year. In the year. In the premiered year. on Christmas Day. <laughs> it did not. I don't think we celebrate Christmas on <laughs> December 13th or Halloween, but whatever. Yeah. All right. That's one side. Let's go to the other side of this battle. Let's get to the one stars. Thank you. From Ro- Rodentia. This was awful. These <laughs> girls are annoying and one-dimensional, and the guys are worse. I want my time back. I want my money back, and I want an apology. <laughs> <laughs> one star. <laughs> We've seen that a lot. We've seen I want my time money back, but I love the fact that I want an apology. <laughs> I want an apology. <laughs> this movie has wronged me. It has. From Keitha Graham. Okay, so I've watched all the Black Christmas movies, 74 to 06, 2019. This is by far the weakest of the three. It's rather boring, doesn't keep you interested at all. In 1974, the original, where it all began, had an amazing script I enjoyed very much. The 2006 story was so fun to watch, great kills, humor, and a bit over the top, but in a great way. I won't be rewatching this one like I do the other two. I'm beyond disappointed. They shouldn't have even named this Black Christmas. They should have been ashamed to do so. One star. Agreed. Agreed. From JWW, who is apparently a top 1,000 reviewer. Okay. So his word must carry weight, apparently. Wow. This, the second attempt at a Black Christmas remake, is a misguidedly bad film. This movie carries a heavy pro-woman, anti-misogyny, patriarchal control of the system, particularly in the college environment, vibe to the whole thing. Let me make it clear that I support the message. It's the way it's executed that I have a problem with. You ever want... If you ever went to an original college play because of a class or to support a friend, it feels like it's trying to uh, be deep about something, but you can't stand it. This is that movie in a nutshell. In the director, co-director, screenwriter, and other screenwriters' defense, this film had a pretty short production schedule. Not saying the movie would have been better necessarily, just saying. The movie beats you over the head with the message. Plot and dialogue comes in second, less than second. The characters are extremely frustrating as they act and talk in a way that isn't plausible at all. A lot of them aren't people, just talking points. 
There are a lot of one-dimensional misogynists in this film who say nothing but the most obvious and basic chauvinistic lines. It gets really painful. Also, the killer's or killer's plan has so many loopholes. I know that horror movies often require suspension of disbelief, but even this sinks way below an accordingly low bar. One star. That was James? JWW. JWW. All right. I got three more. These next two are really short. The last one's long, but it is written. It, it's, I think it needs to be read. Okay. So, uh, Samson, right. A shame this quote unquote movie was allowed to use black Christmas as a title in measurably lazy writing woke garbage about, a, about as cliche as you can get one star <laughs> from a Joseph Orlando. This movie occupies a new category of suck. One star. <laughs> I kind of love that one. New <laughs> that man wants an apology. <laughs> yes. All right. Now this one, guys, you might want to go grab yourself a beer, a drink, uh, you know, make up some popcorn or something. This is, it's, it's long, but Let's I think it. it's worth reading. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty well done from a non E miss. I love Sophia Takao's scripts, characters, and previous work. That's why I wanted to watch this. Although Imogen Poots being in it also helped. I knew it would be a campy, stereotypical horror film, but I didn't expect this. The professor is supposed to be Jordan Peterson, and the brilliant feminist author he quotes is Camilla Petlaglia, as stated. However, the bias in the film became obvious the moment they chose to use that old quote from her, a well-known and very well-respected professor, author, slash feminist. From such an obscure publication, it's almost as if they simply wanted to make her and Jordan Peterson look terrible, without ever having read their work. It also wasn't lost to me that they both had students in their colleges petition for their firing as uh, in the film. The movie glorifies the shutting down of ideas rather than having an honest discussion about actual inclusion. How about the lines, what's so wrong with teaching the classics? What classics? They're not mine, said the stereotypical strong woman of color character. I was a little re uh, relieved when later in the movie that character is scolded by Imogen Poots for being a bit too much saying not everyone wants to be like you. I feel like I tried really hard to understand where Sophia was trying to come from with this based on her previous work. She wanted complicated female characters that you don't usually see, which doesn't really work, but failed to offer the same deal for the male counterparts. Stereotypical weak hipster guys, one black guy who is the weakest of all, yay diversity, and the evil so alpha it doesn't exist in real life white male. Ironically, in a movie about equality, this isn't a traditional horror film, so unless your idea of horror is get out, you probably shouldn't see this. This is going to be a horror film for a hardcore feminist or pseudo one whose biggest fear is that if you do or say nothing about all this suppo supposed inequality going on, this is the future. It's not different than The Handmaid's Tale, another awful example of storytelling. I'm still not sure the demographic for this movie, weak men, crazy women, it's simply insulting to minorities or black America, so it can't possibly be for them. It definitely pushes the agenda that being open-minded is only important if you agree with the neoliberalism point of view, which you can't, we kind of talked about that. Mm -hmm. As an educated female, that's really hard to pill, that's a really hard pill to swallow. There was an obvious goal here, and it wasn't to make a horror movie that would scare you or even entertain you. It's to say, I told you so to anyone who doesn't get on board now. The saddest part of this is how dumb the women are made out to be. Every single one of them, Imogen Pooch is given a murder list. Trust me, this isn't a spoiler. Goes straight to the sorority with it and says nothing of it. Why were we shown of this list? Oh, foreshadowing. Someone clearly flunked film school with that one. You'll see the usual girls 
women in parentheses <laughs> falling down, not being able to open a door, dropping things, and even failing to call the cops in not one but two critical moments. It's okay though because cops are pigs who are too busy eating ham sandwich and sandwiches. Seriously, this movie is so obvious to uh, to care about missing women. This is embarrassing and insulting to us. Why can Quentin Tarantino write such great parts for women who are all strong characters and characters written by women and supposedly for women are so, so pathetic? My recommendation to these writers, directors, and producers is yes, keep the conversation going, but avoid using trendy buzzwords and please be fair and pre present both sides. Bryn Maher, Howard, Wesley, Hampton, Morehouse, Bernard, and other learning institutions exist for a reason. And people are free to go there to educate themselves if they choose. That is, if they place a thought, if the place of thought to lower the cost to get in rather than attempt to educate people in Hollywood movies and on Twitter. The average person does not need their teachings shoved down their throats to lead a productive life in their community. It feels silly even saying this, but if the movie is going to be so obvious in its review, I have to be as obvious in my review. One star. So it's just so well written and thought out that, it, and it really does touch on like the. It's an articulate yeah, uh, argument, argument for sure. And the fact, and she, I think she makes a lot of good points that they're shoving you, they're trying to do this inequality thing, but in doing so, they're being very unequal to their argument and making it almost more, I, I would say more detrimental than good the way they're doing it. So I just thought that was a really well written uh, review and I know it was long, but I think it was worth reading and should, and should have been heard. So. I agree. So anyway, that's that. Now let's on to our two cents. Yeah. Our thoughts. Um, I kind of know you kind of probably have an idea where we're going with this, but uh, what side of this battle we're landing on? Eric, take away your thoughts. I loved it. <laughs> no, I I did not. Um, and here's the thing, I I knew this this wasn't going to be good going into it, even though I went in with a fresh mind. And here's my uh, without getting into the whole feminist movement and the messages here, which are strong and unnecessary. If I were to get in a room with the director and probably some of the actors that were really proud of this, the first thing they would say if I gave them my review is that, well, this movie wasn't for you. Well, you know what? Probably when you originally wrote it, you are right. This movie wasn't for me. Here's the problem, though. You took it to Jason Bloom from Bloomhouse Productions, who at one point in time before this was a thing, had said something uh, in along the lines of like, uh, he was asked, like, why don't you have enough female or more female directors, right? This, and he, what he had said was, well, there's not that many female directors and even less that are into horror. And he got he got sort of, like, crucified for saying that in a sense. It's like, well, look, there just are more male directors. That is a fact. Yeah, He's not wrong fact. for saying that. Yeah. And of all, like, of my – not on my inner circle, but just the general friends, which of them I have a lot. I consider anybody I meet. If we get along, you're my fucking friend. Most of them who like horror are men. I have a lot of women who are friends. They aren't really into horror. I do know a specific few that do like horror, but not many of them do. My wife, for instance, is one. I love her to death. Hates horror. Cannot stand it. So – he took this movie, slapped the title Black Christmas on it as a cash grab. Now, now this movie is for me because you did that. You took a commercial product that every horror fan is proud of, loves, and is endeared to, and you slapped this title onto it. You said, this is the new Black Christmas. Now it's for me. You made that mistake. I didn't, and I went to go see it, and this has nothing to do with it. Now, granted, in the remake of the original, Bob Clark was involved. He was an executive producer. He's the, he he co-wrote and directed the first one. Those two are very married together. The second one is not as good as the first one. But you get a lot of imagery 
a lot of callbacks to the original. This one has nothing. Within the first 10, 15 minutes, you see the glass unicorn that plays a significant murder weapon in the in the other two movies. It's just sitting on a side table in this one as one of the girls is like leaving the house. Oh, I missed that. Okay. It's in the very beginning. It's barely there for a second. Okay. Other than that, there's a rocking chair. That's really about it. This plays no significant homage or anything to the other Black Christmases. They just slapped that title on to draw you in. Yeah. That's the problem. That's the biggest problem I have with this movie. You should, If you want that message that you've put into this movie, have it. If you want to have these thoughts, have it. I don't necessarily have to agree with you, but when you call it Black Christmas, that's where I want to be like, dude, no, I draw the fucking line. This is Bloom House Productions is, is the house that brought you Get Out. Great, strong message right there about the you know african community and like you know like how like white people can come in and just kind of like capitalize on their success and like you know take their hip-hop and make it their own like you know, just all kinds of different things right and then of course you've got halloween strong female character there of course he didn't originate that but he's been running with it doing a fantastic job mm-hmm. and then also shame on the director herself who was quoted saying that she made this type of movie because women are brutalized in horror movies they are. So are men. But the term final girl exists for a reason. It's never final boy. Yep. While they do exist, looking at you, Andy Andy Barclay, <laughs> most of them are final fucking women. Yep. And they're great. And I watch them because of that. Strong women, right? Mm-hmm. Lori Strode. Like, that's a great example right yep. there. I don't know what the hell she's talking about with this. I hated it. So, so bad it's scary. Yep. Fucking Julian's character from Knuckle Bones. Not a strong character right there. You there you go. That's great. Um... <clears throat> I, you said a lot of good things in that. Um, I agree with pretty much everything you just said. Uh, so bad, it's scary for me, too. I agree. That's, uh, some of the reviewers said it, and you said, like, this movie had no business being called Black Christmas. Uh, I agree. It's a cash grab. I think it's bullshit. Uh, there is nothing, really, that connects the, uh, this to the, uh, the original or the other remake at all. Uh, it's... It's just sad. Like if they wanted to, exactly. If they wanted to make this feminist movie, horror movie, whatever, you know what? Fine, I go for it. But yeah, don't slap Black Christmas on it, and then get pissed when people like you know don't like it for that. Because like, Black Christmas, you know, I'm not saying it's the most famous horror movie, but in the horror world, everybody knows Black Christmas, and it and it's like legendary kind of like status as like this fan favorite, and like precious commodity type thing i'll say um and then you know you do this to it it, it, it's 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 kind of like a slap in the face it's bullshit um make your famous movie fine whatever don't you call it something else you know don't use the black christmas moniker don't use that and attach to this franchise because yeah you're just trying to get cash grab out of there it's that's i know there wasn't an agnes was there uh was there a billy nope i don't think so nobody named billy um so yeah, I know that characters even had the same names as the as the originals. I don't think the story how none of the stories were the same. None of the, there was nothing at all about that it was remotely similar. Other than there was a bunch of girls that lived in a house together. Like I guess once they were yeah. in a sorority, but that's it. And that's that's the only connection, uh, and that's sad. I I, I agree. And, and then also the message like like it is fucking not subtle. It is like in your face and like. I don't watch horror movies for social activism messages. You know, granted, that's fine. You want to do it, whatever. But I watch horror movies for just fucking. They're fun. Ridiculous fun. Not, I don't want to get like, feel like, I don't want to feel like made to be guilty because I was born a man because while watching a horror movie. Like, exactly. Fuck you. Like, I don't 
fuck you. Uh, so like, don't do that shit. I'm not going to apologize for the things that I'm not. I'm I'm not a rapist. Yeah. I, I'm certainly not in power. As a matter of fact, I love strong women. My wife runs my life. <laughs> I love that, and she knows it. <laughs> so yeah, I just this is so much bad. And I will say the one thing I was hoping to see in this movie that didn't happen is I wanted Chris to fucking die. I know that may sound like, oh, I am a, a woman-hating man. No, I just she was such an obnoxious character that every movie is that character you just want to see die. And I was hoping, it, honestly, it would not happen in this movie because of the feminist uh, 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 writing background message. But I would, in my mind, the perfect way for that, we'll say girl, woman to die, <laughs> would be if her killer... When he had her like pinned down on the floor, mounted her, grabbed like a big ass fucking cock dildo and just shoved it down her throat and made her suffocate on a fucking dildo. Jesus. That would be my perfect way for her to go. And that just be would be poetic for me. <laughs> but it didn't happen. Um, but yeah, so bad, scary. This movie, I, we'll talk a little bit. But so with that said, this movie is the worst of the trilogy. It really is. It shouldn't be part of... It's not really a trilogy, but it's the series, or I don't know what we want to call it. should not be called Black Christmas. should be erased from... I'm trying so hard not to either say, like you said, trilogy, or even call it, like, the third one, or even really call the 2006 the second one. Yeah. Because they're not... They're, they're not, not really. They're not sequels or anything. Yeah, they're, they're not... Just, they're just remakes. It's just, yeah. And to call this a remake, it it's is not. It's not a remake. It's its own thing. They just... They just... It has stole. two things in common. Sorority sisters get murdered, and it happens at Christmas. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And so, how many? Uh, there's so many other Christmas movies we've talked about on this show. We do the same thing. I guess every movie that happens around Halloween is now a Michael Myers Halloween movie. Yeah, everything's Halloween now. Um, well, according to the one girl, it is the, the one reviewer. This oh is yeah, a <laughs> great <laughs> Halloween movie yeah, Halloween that came movie. out on Christmas. Yeah. Um, that said, this movie's terrible. Don't watch it. It's not worth your time. It, it's awful. But let's do it. I do want to talk about the other two real quick because we have some time here. Um, one of the people talked about the boring uh, cinematic or like the, you know, boring camera work or no, whatever. It's just ripping of the first one. I don't know exactly what they said. I'm not going to go back and look at it right now. But there are some things in that first one. I remember the, when I was, the first time I saw the original Black Christmas, I will say I did not like it. I It was not what I was expecting the first, but I was also like much, 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 much younger. And I went back and watched it older and I realized I fucking loved it. I loved the original. There's, I loved uh, the drunk, <laughs> mouthy house mother in the Mrs. first one. Mrs. Mac. Mac. And then I loved, um, uh, what's her name? Um, Lois Lane. Oh, crazy ass Margot Kidder? Margot Kidder's character. Loved her in the original two. Those were my two favorite. They were great. I so love when great. she gives the, the number to the cop and she, it's, she spells out fellatio. Yes. <laughs> um, they were absolutely great in that movie. And like that movie was atmospheric. It was creepy. It was good. It was scary. And there were some great film shots in there. That uh, The one that sticks me the most, that is, by all today's standards, should not be scary. Because when I watched it back you know, a few years ago, like I'm an adult. It should not be scary. But scared me is when it's just this close-up shot of a keyhole. And you see, like, the eye pop up behind the key, like, oh, fuck! Like, that, it shouldn't scare me, but it did. And that will always took me. And for that alone, like, that movie, it's so good. It's so Billy good. in the original is so terrifying because 
you never get the payoff, you, so you don't know who he is, right? Bob Car- Bob Clark and most fans refer to him as Billy because he, he, at points in the movie, sort of refers to himself that way, but that's not his name. We never get his name. You never see him, and he's never caught. Yeah. That's the, 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 that's yeah, the, the ending, best part. The ending, it's also got the best ending, I think, of all of them. They don't too. even find half the bodies. They're still in the house, yeah. and he's calling the house some more. It's like so and there's good. there's like cops outside or something, and there's people in the house, and he's still in there, and it's like the... Like zoom up like the attic window and like rocking chair is still rocking. So yeah, you know still, he's still in the that's house. Claire's up there, and then Mrs. Yeah. Max still hanging from the hook. Yeah, it, it's so the ending's so good. It's such a good movie. Um, I will say in the the 2006 one, um, I know, didn't like that one the first time I saw it. I had to I had to go back and 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 I do I I like it. I think I it's like a it. lot of fun. It's actually I I don't think it was as good. I didn't like it's the same thing. It's like first time I was like, eh. But I watched it the second time. Like it is. It's just fun. It's There's guilty things- of not being the first one. Yes. That's its biggest problem. Exactly. Because I when they, I remember when it got to like when we started getting to like the hospital and they brought in the man woman who's and they're, they're all jaundiced and yellow. Like what the fuck's happening here? And it never this gets explained too. And Bob Clark's no. part of that one's like Bob. What the fuck's up with this? Why is Billy jaundiced? And does that make you crazy? Yeah. Like, unattended jaundice yeah. i feel like the whole rape thing and you know the incest might make it more crazy what does this yeah. jaundice have to do with it but at the end of the day it's just fun the ki- i remember the kills being really good it is gory, gory I, is I was talking to nachos a little bit earlier i've never seen a movie with so much eyeball eating <laughs> right and i mean like a lot of eyeballs get eaten yeah um and i gotta say that has one of the best Fucking hottest cast I've ever seen in a horror movie. Oh, Those girls dude. are fucking. Damn! <laughs> That's all I gotta say about this. It is one of the most good-looking horror movie cast I've ever seen. It's it every gorgeous. pretty much popular actor in two thousand actress that you've seen in two thousand six. They're all kind of lumped in together. But they're all, they're Even all the house like, moms kind of banging. They're all fucking gorgeous. It's just wow. Claire's sister shows up. She's a little bit older, like ten years. <laughs> not bad looking either. It's uh, not a bad looking cast. Even the boyfriend. Is is a handsome man? But I take. But I will say for this time, being remade in two thousand six, um, it was not, not. Yeah, it's not as good as the first one, but you know, really, what is for the most part when it comes to remakes. But I think it fit the times well. It was fun. It was engaging. It was entertaining and gory and gory as fuck. That was big saw territory right there. Yeah. Tor- torture porn horror was huge at that point. Which that's its own thing, but it, it held up. It, it, I think it. Again, rightfully have the name Black Christmas. It's fine. It was for its time. It was great. And then we get to this one, and it just loses. Every, it just just shits all over the name, and shouldn't be part even in the same conversation as the other two. And I'm sorry, horror movies aren't PG-13. That's another thing. Like, when I you- see a new horror movie in this day and age come out, and it's PG-13. I'm already yeah. like she like I got my guard up. Like this is not gonna be good. This is not eighties where like poltergeist and Temple of Doom were rated PG. Yeah. This is like we're in a whole new millennia. We're in the twenty twenties. Like if you're gonna make a PG thirteen, most of the people that would pay to see your movie going in blind are now going to ha- either not see it, wait for streaming, or they're gonna have their guard up and you're not gonna do well. I hundred percent agree. When I see a horror movie come out and I see it, that PG thirteen uh rating, I'm like, nope. I'm done. Like, I'm not going to go like, it's not oh, going to be like, how is it going to make a good horror movie by what most today's standards or what yeah. people are going to expect with a PG 13 rate? You're not, you're not going to be able to show the bloody kills, the gore, the sex, the violence. That is people. Everything that makes a horror movie. Well, yeah. Everything that makes a horror that people want to see. It's not there. And then to say, Oh, well we made a PG 13 because we want young girls to get into horror. 
Well, first of all, young girls, young people, necessarily should be watching these movies in the first place. They get into them when they're a little older. Grant, I, I'm a hypocrite because I started, you know, we all watched, you know, Friday the 13th, Mike Halloween when we were like eight. But again, that's the fucking 80s. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, it's just, there's better ways to do it. You want to get women into horror movies? Make it already, just make it a good fucking movie with good female characters. It doesn't matter if it's PG-13. If you want, if the characters are good, the story and the plot are good, the women, the audience will find it and will get involved. The, it doesn't, the rating should not be your de- deciding factor in, in that, in, in my opinion. That's, mm-hmm. that's just messed up. That's a, a lame cop out. I think. Yeah, if you've got if you've got a message, I think that you should put it out there. Like again, like I said earlier, Jordan Peele has a strong message about Black America that he puts in his movies. It's it's not like in any way subtle. It's there, but it's still like it, it's uh, it's open enough for me to be like go in and like I don't feel uncomfortable or targeted or in any sense. Like I don't leave feeling guilty. It's just like hey, you have a message. Great, good message. I agree with you. Fantastic. And on top of it. Great fucking movie. Yeah. Love it. I mean, like, and here's like another kind of an opposite example of that. We're, we're leaving the horror genre here for a second. And, I mean, look at what Fox did when it came to um, Logan and Deadpool properties. They had, at that time, almost all the superhero movies were PG-13. PG-13 because they were marketing for kids. But when you have the properties of Wolverine and Deadpool... And you know those characters and what the stories are going to be. You know, like if you they made that PG thirteen just to get that audience or get that, they would not have been successful as they were. They they it's not doing the property justice. They knew like, let's make this R, let's stick to what it should be, and the movies were fantastic. Logan, great fucking movie. The Deadpool series, a lot of fun and great because they went balls and said we got to make this R to do it right. And that's what they should have done with this. Make it R, and maybe, maybe some of the flaws would be overlooked a bit, or like you know, maybe maybe could forget some of the, the the writing and the over, bash you over the head message if they could have you know hidden it within some more, gore and, violence and you know that's say I'm not sounds weird to advocate violence, but you know, fictitious violence in a horror movie. I, I just that's that what we go sense. to see. That's what makes the horror movies yeah. fun is the violence. Yeah. So I mean, if that makes sense, I don't know, but it's just uh, it's just weird. I don't know. You have anything else you want to talk about as far as like maybe the other the original two or this movie or um, I otherwise we'll start wrapping up. No, I think we pretty much got this show canceled. <laughs> yeah, the feminists are gonna come down. Uh, Check out here comes the spooky where we are way more open and accepting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're not. We're turds. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ne- ne- next, wait till I'm on ne- guest on that show, and I'll bring it way back down. <laughs> <laughs> you get me canceled, I'm going right back to you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Check out Here Comes the Spooky. Um, see, uh, Cincinnati Jeff and Nachos uh, do a great job. Uh, Nachos, shout out to you. Shout out to Aaron. Uh, also, listeners, we did try to get Sarah Samples on here, but uh, get a feminist preview, but she was unfortunately unable to make tonight because we were really hoping to get. Uh, I would have loved a, a woman's yeah, view on this. Yeah, we for really sure. wanted to get a woman's perspective on this, but she just could not squeeze it in um, her schedule. So maybe in the future we'll, we'll get a we'll make, get a little callback to this and we'll get uh, get her feelings. But maybe we'll see what happens. 
But that's it, guys. Um, we just kicked off Christmas spirit, Christmas time. So uh, get everybody in the Christmas spirit. There you go. Hope you guys have happy holidays. We'll be back with more Christmas horror movies coming up shortly. So in the meantime, guys, you know what to do. Watch more horror movies. Remember to always keep it tight.